You're listening to a North Valley Church podcast. Thanks so much for joining. For more information and resources, you can visit us online at northvalley.org. All right. Well, good morning. Good to be with you guys. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. And uh, we're gearing up for Christmas here at North Valley. We're excited about all that's going to be happening. So the next week, when you come back on campus, the campus will be fully decorated. And so special thanks to all of our volunteers who are going to make that possible. But I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Uh, I went out camping with my family at the Superstition Mountains in the RV and had a really good time. And um, and we got back and celebrated Thanksgiving. Just me and the kids and the wife uh, had a good time this, uh, doing that. And then Sam, my son, is uh, back in Arkansas. Usually I go back every year um, this time right now and go hunt. And so I love you a lot because I'm here and he's out hunting, deer hunting and duck hunting with his, his, uh, my dad and all the brothers and he's having a, a blast. So uh, I'm excited to be here this morning, but I'm also uh, already getting all the reports from my son and seeing the great time that they're having together. Um, this morning, what I want to do, we're going to be teaching um, and looking at uh, the life of Jesus Christ and the birth of Jesus Christ and seeing uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and, uh, and the unfolding dramatic event of the birth of Jesus Christ. And it's all about family that you're going to see over the next few weeks as we gear up uh, for uh, Christmas. But let me ask you a question. How many of you guys get family photos uh, um, from time to time? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you wish you got family photos? Okay. Um, so uh, those of you that raised your hand, uh, FYI, significant other, spouse, you might want to get one. That can be really helpful. But hey, we let our family photos go for like 10 years before we updated them. And then finally, somebody said at the church, you've got to get your family photos updated. I'm going to show you a family photo we just got and share with you our family. That's my son, Sam, in the middle. He's 17. Um, there's my beautiful daughter, Riley. She's a twin. She's 17 as well. And uh, little Maya, she's 11, and she's hugging on uh, right there. We adopted her out of the Phoenix Valley. She's a precious kid. We got her about one years old. And then, um, then my beautiful wife, we've been married almost 20 years. And so, um, yeah, you can celebrate that, those of you that want to celebrate that. <laughs> that. That is an accomplishment, you know. I mean, to be married 20 years, man, that is, I mean, I'm proud of that. I really am. I think that's uh, uh, marriage and family, they're a great blessing and really a big challenge too. You know that. Um, but uh, it was really funny. This photo was going around on social media and my son posted it. And then um, somebody had kind of sent a screenshot. Um, I'll show you the screenshot. It's this funny kid. He saw it and was a little, um, let's go to the other one actually real quick. Okay, yeah, so we'll go back to that one in just a second. But here's what he announced. He says, I'm beyond thrilled to announce that I have officially uh, committed to becoming a member of the Rice family in the fall of 2022. Thank you to all of you who have been there for me in this journey. I wouldn't be there here without any of you. Thank you for making my dreams a reality. And then he posted this next picture on his Instagram. That's him Photoshopped at it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I showed this to Maya and she's like, Who, who's that? Was he there? <laughs> I was like, no, he was not there. 
Uh, that kid's name is Ethan. He goes to O'Connor. He's a funny kid, and I uh, love the humor. And I asked Sam, I said, is he serious? Like, he really wants a family, or is he just a jokester? And Sam's like, well, maybe there's a little both, you know. Um, family, that's what we're looking at. We're looking at the greatest uh, child ever born, uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for an incredible family that you and I and everybody else were a part of. We're a part of your family, and we thank you. We've been adopted in. What a precious joy. Pray that over the holiday season, Lord, whether we got physical, biological family here present, might we never forget the powerful blessing that we have in a spiritual family through Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. This morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at uh, the life of uh, Jesus Christ in the birth. And I would argue that the birth of Jesus is uh, the most significant event. It, it literally changed world history's timeline. Uh, it created one. The entire world history has been set by the birth of Jesus. Um, today, we live in 2022 AD, which stands for AD. Anno Domini is Latin for in the year of our Lord. And so you and I live in 2022 in the year of our Lord. Uh, while those who live before this time, uh, before the birth of Christ, it is B.C. Um, we're looking at this historical event of the life, uh, the birth of Jesus Christ in the Bible from the Gospel of Luke this morning and over the next uh, four messages. Today, I'll give you an overview of the series is we're going to talk about and learn about finding peace in God's promises. Uh, Mary finds incredible peace uh, when she learns about the promises of God over her life. My encouragement for you today is that you're going to find peace uh, through the promises of the Lord. Um, someone once says, peace doesn't last long it's that brief moment when the smoke clears and everyone is reloading, and after that, it's war. Um, there is very little peace, it seems like, in today's time. And um, you're going to find peace through the promises of God as a believer. Um, over the next few weeks, uh, today we're going to learn about finding peace in the promises of God. Next week, we're going to look at spending time with godly people, and Mary serves as the example um, as she spends time with uh, a relative to find peace. Uh, in the third week, we're going to learn about uh, when Mary made this incredible song, uh, a song of praise, and we're going to learn that we can worship instead of worry. And then in the final gathering for us over in this series, as we get into the Christmas uh, uh, part of the services, we're going to look at the greatest child ever born more in detail in Luke chapter 2. So um, our Christmas services are coming up. Just FYI, let me um, show you the service time so you can mark your calendar and be sure to invite your friends. Um, we're going to have a Thursday service. Uh, at 6.30. Uh, we're going to have a Friday at 6.30 and then a 2 and a 4 p.m. And just for fun, uh, I want to show you this quick little video of my daughter who's hyped up about making sure everybody comes to be a part of something. Check this out. Hello, we're about to do a show and stamps up. 
Hello, we're about to do a show, and you better enjoy it, and, and you're about to miss it, so you better hurry, get over here, and watch the show, tell Dad I can watch the show, and then we go send it to your phones, and then you can watch it, and then we're going to do an activity for you. Bye. <laughs> we're going to do an activity, is what she said. Uh, that, that's to get it into your mind that our services will be kid-friendly. Uh, we're going to have activities for the kids, and uh, you're going to be able to enjoy that uh, with your family, so the whole family can kind of come along in those Christmas services, so make sure you mark your calendars for that, and you can use your phone and send out messages to let people know. Uh, hopefully, that can accommodate well, let's get into the text. Uh, Luke chapter 1 is where we're going to be this morning. Uh, verses 26 through 38, we're picking up at basically the foretelling of uh, the birth of Jesus Christ. So an angel, Gabriel, shows up in the sixth month, uh, which would be uh, the pregnancy of um, Elizabeth and a relative of, of Mary. And uh, during that pregnancy, an angel Gabriel shows up. He had already showed up to Elizabeth. Now he's showing up uh, to Mary. And here's what it happens. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. Luke, the historian, uh, also a physician, he is uh, giving a detailed account. He was not an eyewitness of Jesus Christ, but he was a very detailed um, historian, a physician, who gave an account, uh, an orderly account of the events that transpired. I believe Luke most likely interviewed Mary herself um, I, because uh, he is involved in the uh, expansion of the early church. Uh, he was there uh, accompanying the Apostle Paul as well uh, throughout missionary journeys. He is kind of like Dr. Jones. He is a doctor, but he's a historian a uh, very detailed account, and he records for us this, uh, tr this dramatic divine, divine event, the birth of Jesus Christ. He says in verse 26, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from uh, God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth. Um, verse 27, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was, help me out, Mary. There you go. So you got Joseph, you got Mary, and then you've got that angel named Gabriel. Let me talk to you about the angel. The angel is, um, there's only two angels named in the Bible. It's Gabriel and, anybody else know? Michael. There you go. Michael's my middle name. I don't know if I got named after an angel. My dad would say, no, you did not get named after an angel. Uh, you definitely were not an angel, okay? Um, but um, there is Mary. She's just in, she's really, I think in the Catholic church, we, they, the Catholics have made way too much out of Mary, and she is not to be worshiped. Um, but she is incredibly worthy of our attention. I think many evangelicals and Protestants make too little of Mary. And I think there's a balance that we need to look at. And that's why I want us, I think she serves as an incredible godly example for all people to see um, what it looks like to model uh, faith and obedience uh, to the Lord. She is a virgin. 
Uh, Luke uh, captured that detail. Joseph is a uh, carpenter. Uh, he is of the house of David. That means he has a, a lineage that's tied to King David uh, from the nation of Israel. So this is not just an anybody. It is a somebody, Joseph, who's got a, um, a, a Davidic line, which by the way, the Messiah was to be born of the Davidic line. He is uh, going to be the king of kings. And so um, this is detailed in verse 27. And the angel Gabriel, let me tell you about angels again. There's um, Michael mentioned in the Bible. There's Gabriel. Gabriel uh, is pretty historic. He appeared to Daniel and gave him a meaning of a vision in, in the book of Daniel. This is in, uh, before the time, birth of Jesus Christ. He also gave him understanding. Uh, Gabriel actually appeared as well to the Zechariah, the priest who served in the temple, um, and uh, uh, Elizabeth's relative, or uh, Mary's relative, Elizabeth. Uh, and six months later, after that encounter, Gabriel here appears to Mary to announce that she'll become the mother of Jesus, this long-awaited Messiah. So what does Gabriel say? Let's look and see in the text. It says, um, verse 28, and he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one. Uh, she is favored. There's something really special about Mary. Um, I think what's special about her is her, her faith commitment, her obedience, which you'll see played out, especially over the next few weeks. Um, the announcement is, oh, greetings, O oh, favored one, the Lord is what? The Lord is with you. Um, that would be special news, but it's troubling news because this angel is not uh, a human creature, a supernatural creature. Uh, verse 29, and it says, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. She was confused, confounded. She was greatly troubled. She's afraid. Verse 30, and the angel said to her, do not be, help me out. Don't be afraid. Uh, well, that's kind of hard. Uh, you know, like, I don't know um, if you've ever been terrified before and somebody says, quit being afraid. And you're like, you try, I can't do it. Uh, she was greatly afraid. Uh, he says, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. If you've got a Bible, you can highlight that or underline that. We're going to come back to that. Uh, that's one of the promises that you're going to find for you and for all believers that we can find favor with God. Verse 31, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name, help me out, Jesus. There you go. Jesus, the name means literally the Lord is salvation. Um, his name will be the Lord is salvation. You're going to call him the Lord is salvation. That's his name. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the one uh, who brings salvation. There's no other name under heaven which man may be saved, but through the name of, help me out, Jesus. That's his name. Uh, this is uh, most likely a, a, a trigger word, a trigger phrase uh, for Mary uh, from the prophet Isaiah in the revelation that um, a child would be born 
And the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And so this is all unfolding. Uh, Verse 32 and 33, let's look at that. And he will be uh, called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give him uh, to him the throne of his father, David. And it says, let, let's, let's read that together just for a second. And the Lord God will give to him the what? Throne of his father, David. Okay. And he will reign over the what? Of who? Forever. Okay. So what that doesn't say is that the Lord God will give to him the throne of his heavenly father, God the Father, and he will reign over the house of the church. So what am I getting at right here? What I'm getting at is let's go back to verses 30 just for a moment on the screens. And all of us would agree that the angel is giving a literal uh, uh, prophecy, an announcement that behold, you will conceive in your womb. Literally, Mary, this is going to happen. You're going to bear a son and you're going to call his name Jesus. Would we all agree that's literally going to happen? Raise your hand. Does that make sense? That's what the author intended for you to understand. I think this is what the angel Gabriel wanted everybody to understand. Literally, Mary, you're going to have a baby. His name is going to be Jesus. In your womb, there is a child coming. His name will be called, help me out, Jesus. All right? That's literal. Let's go to the next passage. Let's look at it. He will be great, literally. He will be great. Uh, Why will he be great? Okay, because he's the king of kings, he's the Lord of lords. He is, we learned in the gospel of John, if I can find my notes, that he's going to be called, um, he's going to be called the bread of life. He's going to be called light of the world. He's going to be all these amazing things about Jesus Christ. He's going to be great. He's greater than all. Uh, He will be great and be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. Okay? His father, David. That means like a patriarchal King David. That's what that means. Literally, this is what I believe. I believe it's a literal promise, a literal prophecy that has not yet taken place. Jesus, pause for a moment, walk out of the text in your minds with me. Jesus is not on earth right now. He is in where? He's in heaven. He sits on a throne in heaven right now. The Bible tells us that. Does he sit on the throne on earth right now or in heaven? Heaven. Does the Bible say that Jesus will return and have an earthly throne? I believe it does. And this is a promise for you and me that Jesus will return. There will be an earthly reign and it's going to happen. It has not yet happened. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. That part is true right now, and the Lord God will give to him. It's already been given. It just hasn't happened. The throne of his father, David, and he will be reign over the house of Jacob forever. Well, what is the house of Jacob? That's the nation of Israel. It is not the church, as some would look at that. It is that there will be a literal reign of Jesus Christ as Lord over all of heaven and earth. There's a promise awaiting for us 
that Jesus Christ will return. This is exactly what Isaiah had promised. Uh, let, let me just uh, read this over you. It's not on the screens. Isaiah said, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and the peace, there will be no end. Well, guess what? You and I, we don't have peace in this world right now, do we? I mean, we see war, rumors of war, all sorts of drama going on, but there is a day coming when the high king of heaven will return to an earthly throne, will come for his earthly throne and take up the promise and fulfill the promise made, uh, which was originally some 700 years before the time of Jesus Christ. Here it is being told to Mary that this is going to happen. Jesus Christ will, will take up an earthly reign as king. So every kind of king, politician, leader we ever see, Jesus is far greater. Jesus is the king who is coming. This is his first advent, but there is a second advent when he will return. And at Christmas, we're celebrating his first coming, that he uh, came, but there is a second coming in which he will uh, take up the Davidic kingdom. It says in Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, continuing on, of the increase of his government and of the peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice, with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. I just think it's important for us to see that when we're looking at the birth of Jesus Christ, that there's promises loaded in there that the king is coming, that the, the, the king is coming, and he will fulfill the promises, and he will reign from Jerusalem over the whole world. That's good. Somebody said hallelujah. That's exactly right. And every leader we ever see will never create the peace that King Jesus will. And um, this is the promise made to Mary. I think Mary um, is excited. I do not think she doubts the Messiah's uh, work, the promises of Gabriel, but she does have questions about the process in which this is going to take place. Verse 34, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a what? A virgin. How am I going to have a kid when I'm a virgin? Uh, she is betrothed, which is legal, like a legal binding engagement, if you will. Um, but she's asking, how am I going to have a kid if I'm a virgin? And I don't think she's doubting the promises of God through Gabriel but she's definitely questioning the process. You ever been there before? You don't doubt the promise, but you do doubt kind of the process. You're like, I don't know how this is supposed to work. You ever been there before? I don't know how this is gonna work, but I'm gonna choose to trust you anyway. Verse 35, the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy and the Son of God. The Holy Spirit's power is going to do something incredible, supernatural. Jesus will be born 100% human, 
human, but 100% God. The theologians have called it the, the hypostatic union. He's completely God, but he's completely man. Verse 36, and behold, this is encouragement that there's other supernatural things happening. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who has been called barren. She was uh, struggled with infertility, and uh, she is going to bear a son, and this would bring comfort to Mary. Next week, we're going to look at her visit uh, with Elizabeth. Mary goes and visits Elizabeth uh, to make sense of this whole supernatural a world-changing event, the birth of Jesus Christ. Uh, continuing on, uh, the angel says these famous words, uh, which you and I have made songs or sang songs about or read them or quoted them. Verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. Let's say that together. For nothing will be impossible with God. That is a claim and a promise over our life. Nothing's impossible with God. He can do anything. Verse 38, and Mary said, Behold, watch this, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. I woke up this morning and I said, Lord, I am your servant. I had to say that like 10 times because I was thinking about my son duck hunting with my family. I was like, Lord, I'm your servant. I'm your servant. <laughs> and they're sending me bragging photos of all this stuff. I'm your servant. There's a lot of joy in being a servant. Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. See, she's not fighting it. She doesn't question God's promises. She had questions about the process, but not the promises. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. Um, the angel said, she's got it, Lord. Angels are ministers and messengers of God. He had ministered to her. He had given her, given her a message, and now he's out of there. So here's the question of, Finding peace in God's promises, how does this work for you and for me? How does it work? Um, I, it's so important for you to hold on to promises and hold on to truth in your mind. Um, I read recently a story of a World War II POW survivor who lived to share how he made it through. The soldier stated in an interview, your mental attitude towards how you handle situation has a lot to do with your success. Determination is the attitude that you have to have knowing that you could survive whatever. There's four uh, pillars of resiliency, if you didn't know, physical, mental, spiritual, and social. These are all drilled into the minds of soldiers today to emphasize how important it is that no matter what your life situation is or whatever you're going through, there's always a healthy way to handle it. When it comes to the Christian life, let me tell you something, you need resilience too. The resiliency you need is not from yourself, it's from God. It's from the promises of God that you hold on to that give you hope, power, and peace to live life and live it to the fullest. And so we need, God's got everything you need, and we need um, God's promises for us to have the power and the strength to live the Christian life. Finding peace in God's promises. Number one, here's a promise for you and for me, just as it was made for Mary, that God is with you. He's with you in every situation you find yourself in. This is the first thing that the angel said to Mary. Hey, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. 
He's with you wherever you go. This would have been a, a, a reminder too from even the Psalms when the psalmist David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, you're there with me. I don't care what happened last night, what happened last week, what happened last month, God is with you and he's always been with you. All the days of your life, surely goodness and mercy will follow you everywhere you go. Promises for peace. Number one, you need to know God is with you. He's there with your doubt. He's there in your discouragement. He's there in your success. He's there in your sorrow. He's with you. That was the promise immediately that angel Gabriel brings to Mary to remind her. He says, greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Matthew 123 uh, says it like this. A gospel writer says, behold, the virgin shall records this, behold, the virgin shall uh, conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. He's with you in the car. He's with you in the house. He's with you in, your, in the waiting room. He's there with you at school. He's there in all of your situations, in your want, in your worry, in your worship. God is with you. Hold on to that promise, ladies and gentlemen. God is with you. No matter what you're going through, God is with you. Uh, this morning, we prepped for communion, and Ethan, the drummer, uh, had, did a little devotional for our, our team, and he, he reminded us of how God spoke, and he says, uh, the Lord speaks and says, just as I was uh, with uh, Moses, Joshua, I will be with you. Sometimes we think that God's not with us like he is with so-and-so, you know, like a, a special leader. A Billy Graham, you know, man, God is with him. Or God is with that pastor. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Mary was ordinary in many ways. I think that's why God chose her as a symbol and a sign for you, that God is with you. He's with me. He's with you. Number two, here's another peace, uh, finding peace in God's promise. God's favor has, God has favor for you. He, the angel Gabriel says that if you look back in your Bibles in Luke 1, 28, the angel greeted her and said, oh, favored one. And then in Luke 1, 30, he says, don't be afraid, Mary, you found favor with God. Um, what does favor mean? F uh, in the Greek, the word uh, is charis. And um, some people have named their kids this, charis. Um, and it's a great name. And um, God has grace for you. That's another way you could read that. God has grace for you. Um, he does have grace for you. Um, it says in John 1.16, for from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. This is what we read in the beginning of gos the gospel of John. Um, this word grace is God's kindness, his goodwill, his gracious deed. You have God's kindness. I think something that you do need to understand, though, is that you have God's favor. You don't have his fury. Here's what uh, uh, John 3.36 says. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Uh, whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Let's go back to the passage. Kevin, if you've got it, John 3.36, it says this, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Let's all say wrath. Wrath. How many of you have ever been taught about the wrath of God? Raise your hand. A few of you? Yeah, a number of you. Let me tell you about the wrath of God. 
as a believer, you do not find God's wrath. The wrath is God's fury. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you don't find his fury, you only find his favor. Would you want the fury of a father or would you want the favor of a father? My son and I are very, very close. And he always wants to be in good favor with me. As a, the Bible says that God is our father in that we are his kids. And let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, all we want from our heavenly father is God's favor. And you have that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, but you do not have that if you are not. This is exactly what the Bible says. It says this, whoever believes in the son has eternal life. That's favor. That's grace. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. You don't have a life with God if you don't know Jesus Christ. But the wrath of God remains on him. What is the wrath of God? The wrath of God is, according to John Stott, a steady, unrelenting, unremitting, uncompromising antagonism to evil in all of its forms and manifestations. In other words, it's an intense hatred towards evil. And I think this is very important for us. Uh, we need to have an intense hatred, right, towards evil. To be able to say that is evil, that is wrong, that is not good. We need to have those categories. Well, God has those categories. The wrath of God is a hatred towards evil. Well, why am I talking about the wrath of God right now? Because you don't understand the favor of God unless you understand the wrath of God. So as a believer in Jesus Christ, you don't find his fury, you only find his favor. What is the wrath of God? It's the anger of God, but it's not like man's anger. It's a perfect level of anger towards evil and sin. Number two, God's wrath is provoked. The anger of God or the wrath of God is not something that resides in him by nature. It is a response to evil. When he sees evil, he hates evil. It is provoked. The Bible says God is a God of love. That's who he is by nature. But God is, and God is slow to anger, according to 2 Peter 3, 9. God's wrath is on the sinner, the unrepentant sinner, the person who rejects Jesus Christ. They are at odds with God. But you and me who believe in Jesus Christ and all who believe in Jesus Christ, they do not find the fury of God. They find the favor of God. The Bible says that God's wrath was poured out on the cross the divine wrath of sin was poured out on Jesus Christ and that, that God loved us so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. What's the promise for you and me? The promise for you and me is that we find favor with our heavenly father because of God's great love was, is the promise. So as a believer, you can realize that you don't, you're not at odds with God. God doesn't look down at your life even when you screw up and mess up and go, I hate you. No, he doesn't hate you. All he has is favor for you. That's incredible. Like, uh, I think that uh, my son or my daughter could easily fall out of favor with me because I'm an earthly father. But our heavenly father and your relationship to your heavenly father, you cannot fall out of favor with him. You have a constant favor over your life. So it is appropriate to say is, man, I've got God's favor on my life. 
That sounds special, doesn't it? Let's say that together. I've got God's favor over my life. That's a promise. If you sense God's favor over your life, it's not because of something special you did. It's because of God's great love. The Bible tells us that God demonstrates his love for us in this, yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So you have favor with God uh, through Jesus Christ. That's a promise you want to hold on to. Number three, and another promise to hold on to would be this, is realize that God is in control. He's in control of every situation that you face, every issue that you're dealing with. God is in control. Uh, this was uh, said to uh, Mary as well, the angel said, and that Jesus is going to reign forever and ever in his kingdom. There will be no end. It was a prophetic announcement to calm the storm, that Rome was in turmoil, the corruption. They were anticipating a king, Jesus, would come and restore and make Israel this great nation and overthrow the Romans. And the angel says, not yet. He says, King Jesus is coming and he's going to reign from the throne of King David. It was a promise that there would be peace restored back to earth, and that promise is a future fulfillment to happen um, in the future uh, for us. So God is in control. Here's a wonderful passage of Scripture. Proverbs 19.21 says this, Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Everybody devises plans, but God's purposes will always prevail. Here's uh, another passage that's helpful to remind yourself that God is in control. Matthew 6.34, Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Uh, raise your hand if you've uh, been labeled a control freak, just so I can know who the hyper-controlling people are. Uh, typically, the more controlling people are, are the folks that uh, struggle with more stress and anxiety. And um, here's an encouragement. It doesn't say that you're, 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 you can't worry. It just says, don't worry about tomorrow because it's just got enough worries of its own. Just to, it's telling you it's not productive. It's not healthy. A lot of people are afraid. I, I called my father just the other day. He's a Christian psychiatrist in Little Rock. And I asked him, I said, what are people coming in for to visit you? And he said, the number one issue that we're facing in today in our counseling clinic is uh, fear. People are afraid. I did a little research of what people are afraid of. I'll give you uh, the top 10 fears of 2022 according to this study. Number one, fear of corrupt government officials. That's interesting, isn't it? Number two, People I love becoming seriously ill. That sounds like we're coming out of the pandemic. Number three, I thought this was interesting, Russia using nuclear weapons. Number four, people I love dying. Number five, the United States becoming involved in another world war. Number six, pollution of drinking water. In Phoenix, we have filters to help us from that. Number seven, and not having enough money for the future. Number eight, the economic financial collapse. Number nine, pollution, oceans, rivers, and lakes. Number 10, biological warfare. People are afraid. Um, God is in control. The Bible tells us that God's going to come back and restore and make all things new. The Bible tells us um, 
that He's in control over all things. We can find peace in Christ. I think that uh, as we look at our own city, Phoenix, I think it ranks as one of the uh, most, uh, the top of the list when it comes to inflation around our country. I recently received a text message of my buddy down in Texas getting gas, and he sent me a picture, and it said 265 per gallon. I was like, man, the sweet republic is getting gasoline. Um, It's pricey. I don't know if you feel like things are out of control in your life, but remind yourself that God is in control. Number four, remind yourself this too, just as the angel Gabriel reminded Mary about God's power and how it's perfect. God's power is perfect over your life. Um, when, when Mary was afraid and did not understand the process of the things that were happening, the angel said the power of the Lord will overshadow your life. I think what needs to overshadow your life is understanding that God's power is in your life. You have a power that's not a normal kind of power. It's a perfect kind of power. Um, recently on my camping trip, I pulled out um, one of these things called a surge protector uh, for the RV, if you've ever seen one. And they're designed for the idea that to kind of protect your, your, your electronics within the, the rig, if, if lightning were to strike or if you plug into a campground that's got unstable power sources, it doesn't fry all the electronics. There's a surge protector. For those of you that are into your computers and you really love your computer, you put surge protectors on in case lightning strikes and it doesn't French fry your electronics. Here's the message I have for you. God's power is perfect over your life. Jesus Christ is that surge protector. he, He gives you the right amount of power for every situation you face. Uh, This is what the Apostle Paul said, is is quoted. um, The Lord speaks to the Apostle Paul and says, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Let's say that together. My power is made perfect in weakness. That's good news for me. That's good news for you, that in your weakness, God's power is perfect. His power is perfect over your life. That when you do not have enough power, he's got the right amount of power for you. And it's made perfect in weakness because when you're weak, then you can turn to the Lord and say, you can be strong, Lord, because I don't have enough strength to make it through. And therefore, it says, the Apostle Paul says, therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You need a, a a perfect kind of power, and that power is God's power in your life. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, that God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Let me give you another analogy. Uh, power is something that you need to go places. You need power in your life if you want to go somewhere. Literally, uh, let me explain this. If you want to Say you want to go to Flagstaff. Say you want to go snow skiing, or better yet, go snowboarding. You've got two options. You could walk, which would take you about two days, or you could drive a car or ride in a car. That would be a great thing. Uh, If you walk, you're relying on manpower. If you drive or ride, you're relying on horsepower. Here's the point. My point is, is that God has power that is not man's power, it's God's power for you. 
I think oftentimes Christians are like this. The, the car is in the garage and we're trying to go from point A to point B and uh, God says, just get in the car. I'll take you further and faster than you could ever go in your life on your own. And I think that you and I, we can call out on God and realize that God's power is perfect. He can take us faster and further than we could ever go on our own. The kind of power that you and I need for the Christian life is a power that is upon high. This is the power that the angel Gabriel told Mary. Your whole life's going to be overshadowed with the power of God in your life. You and I need a power that is upon high. And in doing this, we can understand this fifth promise that is made is that God can do anything. The angel Gabriel said this is that uh, with God, everything's possible. With man, things can be impossible, but with God, all things are possible. God can do anything in your life. He can help you. He can heal you. He can restore you. He can rebuild you. He can redefine you. He can give you a strong hope and a strong future. As we look at the, the, uh, the life that we live, um, we need to realize that we need God's power and that God can do anything. Maybe you've got family or friends that are far from God and you wonder if they could ever be saved and their life could ever be changed. God can do anything. These are phrases and words that ought to come of our, out of our mouth that when we see disaster or when we see struggle, we should say in faith, God can do anything. That is who our God is. He is a God who can literally do anything. This is our God. We should ask for Him. This is what the Apostle um, Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 through 21. Eugene Peterson paraphrased it well, saying this, God can do anything. You know, uh, you know far more uh, than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, His Spirit deeply and gently within us. Glory to God in the church. Glory to God in the Messiah, in Jesus. Glory down uh, all the generations. Glory through all millennia. Oh, yes. Amen? I want to share with you a, a closing story about how um, a man went through incredible adversity and he still was able to kind of call upon the Lord in his hardship, and God used him greatly. I'm going to invite the worship team up, and uh, let me share with you this story. Uh, Horatio Spafford was an American lawyer, a businessman, an elder in his church back in Chicago around the late 1880s. Uh, he had planned a family vacation to England with his whole family to visit an old friend by the name of D.L. Moody, the great evangelist. Um, Horatio was a godly man, a good businessman, and he had a wonderful family, and he had made these plans. And this was just two years after, if you know history, American history, the Great Fire of Chicago, uh, just two years after. It reminds me of times like now and, and looking back over the last two years of the, this great pandemic. Um, that has changed our world. This was just two years after that great fire of Chicago. It was a fire that reduced the city to ashes. And Horatio was involved in the rebuilding of the city and his home out of those ashes. And he had some very important business matters that were urgent that he had to tend to right before this big trip. And so he sent his wife and his daughters and 
this new baby uh, uh, on this transatlantic sea voyage. He would remain back in the United States just for a little short time, and then he would join them later. Sadly, while en route, there was a terrible storm, and the ship wrecked into another ship during which the three daughters and baby boy drowned. Annie was 12, Maggie was seven, Bessie was four, and an 18-month-old little baby boy. Uh, Miss Spafford did make it safely uh, to shore and sent a telegram back to her husband in Chicago, and it read this, all have been lost, only I have been saved. Horatio got this news and was devastated. He took the next ship out. As they came near the place where his children had drowned, the captain of the ship pointed to the place where the ship had gone down. And it was there on the ship that he wrote the stirring words, which now we know as a famous hymn called It Is Well With My Soul. And it re reads this, uh, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that it would be well with our soul, that we can lean into the greater promises of God over our life, claim the favor that you grant us, trust that you are with us, to know that your power is perfect and that you can do anything. You are great. Father, I pray for all of us now, might faith arise might you strengthen, heal, empower. Lord, humble the proud and give grace to those that are struggling in sin. Minister to us and thank you that we find favor with you no matter what. And pray that our mind would be steadfast on the promises of God, trusting in you, looking to you, supplying our strength and our every need. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said. Amen. Well, hey, in just a minute, we're going to receive communion. I want to encourage you um, to come forward today and just in light of that the peace of Christ be rested over your life, that you have the promises of God over your life, that you do have the best life in the life of Jesus Christ. And uh, before we do that, though, I want to say thank you to all of you who give financially at this church to make a difference. Thank you for doing so. In doing so, it is an act of worship and partnering with God in his work through our church. And so thank you for doing that. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to support North Valley Church by partnering with us through giving, you can do so by visiting us online at northvalley.org. Thanks and have a great day.